Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at The Black Phone. Directed by Scott Derrickson, The Black Phone is the supernatural horror film starring Ethan Hawke. The movie is in cinemas now, but if you haven't seen The Black Phone yet and you want to, go watch it first. Before listening to our review, we will be talking spoilers. The Black Phone is an adaption of the 2004 short story of the same name by Joe Hill. Jason, you have the plot. Finney, a shy but clever 13-year-old boy, is abducted by a sadistic killer and trapped in a soundproof basement where screaming is of little use. When a disconnected phone on the wall begins to ring, Finney discovers that he can hear the voices of the killer's previous victims, and they are dead set on making sure that what happened to them doesn't happen to Finney. Let's start by talking about how we actually got to see this movie. And we got to see it very early and it was a free screening. Now we later got a official invite from Universal for an early advanced screening, but we'd already seen it like maybe a month before it was due to be released in cinemas here in Australia. And at the time, I remember thinking, this is either a good sign or a bad sign. This is either a film that is <laughs> awful and they're just dumping it, hoping people are going to watch it, or Universal are thinking they've got something special with this film and they want to get good word of mouth out. It is the latter. <laughs> I don't want to go too early, I mean, hey, too early with... Show your hands. I don't want to go too hands. early... <laughs> With my rating, but honestly, I was, I don't know, a little bit concerned. Like, is this going to be a terrible film? And then I remembered as I was watching the film, and I'm glad I forgot that awful trailer they put out, which is very much a story trailer that shows everything out of sequence, but everything that happens in this film is pretty much in that trailer. I'm I'm so glad I... Because I think when did we when did, when did I see this? I think I saw this trailer when we went to go see the Northman. That's right. So yeah, good flick right there. Um, and I remember watching it, being like, like, damn, that was like the whole movie, wasn't it? I'm so glad I forgot everything from that because I was watching this movie and I was like, I have no idea what's happening next. There was a I moment was, in yeah. this movie where I dead set was like, I had to check my heart rate. I was like, <laughs> nope, I'm actually. I'm concerned. Honestly, <laughs> I'm like, oh there my is God, the tension. I mean, I did Great say time. free tickets were handed out. It was a packed screening, and I'm sure it was for you as well. But the the atmosphere was infectious. Like it was so good watching this film at the cinema in a packed screening. And there's a moment in particular when Finney is talking on the phone to one of the ghosts, and he just hears them and oh, see them. Yes. But then the camera pans and there's one of the boys stood next to him. And so many people yep. in my screening <laughs> jumped and yelled, right? And then so I got back from the screening and my wife's like, oh, what did you watch? I'm like, oh, the black phone. And she was playing the trailer. And that's when I was reminded of how much the trailer gives away. That jump scare is in the trailer. And it does not have the same effect. <laughs> it really doesn't. So I was like, how... How have they 
done this. Like they've put out such a spoiler filled trailer. If you're director Scott Derrickson, you're not going to be happy with that trailer because I mean, yes, you know, some things are out of sequence and, you know, context does add a lot, but at the same time, yeah, so much of the film is in that trailer. It's yeah, one of the worst it trailers the downside. for that reason. Yeah, downside of um, some marketing things. But you know what? They've they've gone creative in terms of, like, you know, just essentially handing out to the public anyone who wanted them just needed to fill out a thing online and get access to the multiple screenings. Like, we went to different screenings. Like, I went a couple of days later. But, um, you know, same cinema, same time, just different day. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. handing out tickets, and hopefully, we're doing what was intended of that. Um, and hopefully, we have um, some you know good word of mouth to give, which sounds like what we're given. It, yeah, is, it, which it is does. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so let's I mean, talk about honestly, why. Let's talk about why this movie. I mean, yeah, we, we will. But but first, and I'm holding things up here. This is the next project that Scott Derrickson directed after leaving Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness over creative differences. He did remain on as executive producers. I don't know if that was more of a courtesy or how (laughs) much input he actually had, because, of course, Sam Raimi ended up directing that film. But, yeah, I thought it was worth mentioning that. And there's a couple of his films that I haven't yet seen, and one of them being Sinister, also starring Ethan Hawke. Have you seen that? I have, yeah. And I think there's a... Is there not a Sinister 2 coming? Uh, that didn't already come out. It's out already, but I think it's one of those right. where somebody's made a sequel to his film and it's not necessarily anything right, yeah. to do with him. Yeah, like Ethan Hawke isn't back or anything like that. Um, but, you know, that was, that, was, that was okay. I think that was the one with the... There's like projectors. He's like watching old films that he haven't seen. In his it. House. I haven't seen okay, it. I probably should have said that. <laughs> I should have said that. But, That's uh, one of his I haven't haven't seen. I've seen like you know Deliver Us from Evil, yeah. The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and of course The Black sure. Phone. So let's talk The Black Phone. The, the setting. I've got to be honest. I want all my horror films to be set in the seventies. <laughs> There's so much that you get from this. The music, the just the aesthetics, the look, the costuming, the uh, just the just the way characters can be. Like, you know, like there's like the douchebag abusive father. I'm kind of giving him a little bit of a pass because I'm like, it was a different time. I know it's probably not the best <laughs> yeah. thing I should be saying, but I'm like, a little part of me is like, yeah, it was the 70s. Yeah, you know. Like, you know, honestly, okay. the 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 portrayal of that father, I'm like, wow, there is no redeeming qualities at all. So, so there's no way this movie is going to try and redeem him in any way. But you know what? I mean, the bit with the belt, but you're right. It was a different time. But when you find out what he went through with his wife, what happened to her, she was hearing the voices, she was having the dreams. And yeah, this is a beaten down man who is a single parent bringing up two kids in, as you say, a different time. But they do find a way of bringing the family together. Uh, so the dad was played by Jeremy Davis. I think you'd know him from Lost. 
You didn't know it he's as soon as done, he popped up. I was like, yeah. He's done many, <laughs> many things. He was in the Constantine TV series with Matt Ryan and various other things. But he, I mean, he looks like he lived in the 70s. Like he was, like, I mean, I'm sure he did. But what I mean is, I know he was alive in the 70s, but he looks like he's from that time. I did have to separate the... Um... Uh, what was that movie? I think it was Helter Skelter that he was in. And That's he was right, playing, Manson. He was yeah. playing Manson, like, yeah. And I was like, okay, got to separate that performance from this. Otherwise, I'm not going to view this father in the right way. <laughs> I hate him for a different reason, but no, it was, it was good. But anyway, sorry, I sidetracked us. You know, you know what shocked me? Like, obviously, there's, there's violence, there's death in this film. The, the fights at the school... I was generally like shocked at the sounds of the impact. You're like, oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, this is like really, you know, full on, like kids getting beaten up at school. Again, like a different time. It's like now it'd be like, like the teachers would be intervening, the cops would be called. It was like, oh, back then, you just got your ass beat, didn't you? Like, that's just what happened from what I've been told. I wasn't there. But yeah, it is. It's different. But yeah, the, all of all of that, right? There's there's a grittiness to everything that that's that's going on, you know. Like these kids are just walking home, riding their bikes, and they're getting snatched up. They're walking to school, getting beat up. There's, you know, that ah, oh, they go home, they get beat up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... having a good time in the seventies. No, no, no. Not great. Even some of the flashbacks, um, in showing what happened to the other kids. You know, like you're just at the local, you know, little deli or whatever it is, you know, playing playing ping ball and pinball, 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 um, playing pinball. And you know, like you bump into someone, you get your ass beat, you know, like okay, the cops were called that. But, <laughs> but yeah, badly. It's yeah, yeah. But I think if, it was, if this was a modern film, it would just be like, what is with this excessive violence? It seems crazy. Do you know Putting what? All that this is, in this setting, yeah. It just, Gives it all just like a, yeah. I guess, That's yeah. a very good point. That's a very good point. If it was modern day, it would be unrealistic. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, yeah, like video cameras everywhere. There'd be cops. People would have their phones out. Like, I don't know. No one, no one does crazy shit unless they want to get caught doing it. Now, anyway, I mean, we, we don't yeah. live in a utopia. There's still problems today, but there's just something about <laughs> yes. seeing seeing it through the prism of of the 70s and again like whether it be this the conjuring films that's where i want my horror if it's just modern day and somebody's just like picking out a mobile phone and making a call although admittedly that's this whole film's about a phone but it's not a <laughs> mobile phone i don't know it's just Hell, I can, I it's can not even connected <laughs> that's right yeah that is right well let's talk but look, about blumhouse blumhouse make um, you know, I, I know we mention this every time we talk about a Blumhouse movie, but like they make great horror movies. They most do. Of the they time. do. I keep trying to and talk even about their Finney. modern one. <laughs> I keep trying to I talk know, about Finney. We'll get to him. <laughs> you mentioned Blumhouse, but even their modern, even their modern films are pretty, pretty like Invisible Man, pretty fun. Excellent. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. The opening that one, the happy. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The opening. About the movie. Sorry. Well, no, no, no. You've you've sidetracked us again, so that's fine. The opening. Oh, yes. Blumhouse. No, but this is a yes, yes. It's the first time we've seen this, isn't it? I'm pretty sure we didn't get it before Halloween Kills. 
Michael Myers yeah. is there in the opening, and there's other things going on as well, and it's cool. Really yeah, it's like, like it. little callbacks to their movies, which yeah. is awesome. Very I mean, smart. I'll miss I'll miss that, you know, the rockety chair in that room that spins, but this is a cool little logo that they've got. This is like their this is like the Marvel Studios MCU banner, but like Blumhouse. Pretty nifty. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I that's expecting. literally what it is, isn't it? But it works so well. <laughs> like yeah, yeah they're, doing, <laughs> they're doing a good job. Well, let's talk Mason Thames as Finney, a young student captured by the grabber. And it's so smartly done. Like you mentioned, the other kids who are getting grabbed different ways, different locations, all the while. We're spending time with this young kid. We're getting to know him, his sister, his home life. We mentioned his abusive, alcoholic father. But we get to know this kid. We get to see the girl he has a crush on at schools. We're getting to see friends. He's getting bullied. All of that happens before he's actually grabbed. It's it's good setup for him. Um from yeah, all those things, the, the school life, the, the, the home life, um, uh, you know, particularly his, his father, his sister, um, his friend who defends him from the bully, stands up for him, and he, that, that kid himself gets kidnapped. It's all, and it's sort of like, how does this affect Finney? All the while preparing us for his kidnapping, um, I felt like I was transported into, you know, like into a Stephen King book. Um, and I say that I'm, not, I'm talking it, you know, like it was almost like it might as well have been Pennywise kidnapping him. He had balloons. You know, I don't think Pennywise drives a, a black van around, but, you know, the vibes were there. It was freaky. It was- oh, <laughs> it just- well, definitely. And, you know, Georgie in it, his sister Gwen wearing that yellow raincoat, you you think oh, yes, about Stephen King's the... it there. You know, it's worth noting, yeah. Joe Hill, the author, is the son of Stephen King. So there's definitely that strong connection there. There we go. That makes sense. <laughs> that checks out, doesn't it? Mentioned is Sister Gwen, played by Madeleine McCraw. She is phenomenal. She is so good in this. She's a take-no-shit little girl we find out that she's experiencing (laughs) psychic dreams and this is a gift that she's inherited from her mother but yeah this this young girl again takes no nonsense and she's finney's little sister but she's the one that's standing up for him for a lot of this film yeah no she she's great and she it's a I mean, they don't just use her character as a way to, you know, be like, I mean, obviously we've got the like the ghost boys and stuff like that, but they're not just using her character as being like, oh, look, let's throw in a little bit more supernatural stuff. We're actually, what we're getting from her, you know, like there's, there's her and her tackling like her faith, um, her relationship with her father and navigating, you know, like, you know, your son. My brother's been kidnapped. I need to ask questions because, I'm, you know, I could help. But, you know, like, is it something that we I can 
trust, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. The just really good stuff from her, and just the performance, just just generally with her, the, the performance is is great. Both both the kids here, um, Mason and Madeline, like they, I don't know, just like good shit. I gotta tell you when. You know, jumping forward to the end of the movie, like when they reunite, I was feeling it, and I was like, "Why the hell am I getting a little bit choked up here?" And that's just because I've just—I don't know—I just bought both of what they were, what they were bringing. Yeah, they both felt like I really such a ride, and I was yeah, they both really sell it. I mean, kid actors can really mm. make or break a film. Oh, when she when in the kitchen when she's getting the you know like the belt to her, or, or even right before the belt like the threat of the belt and she's you know like she's screaming in terror like like that just felt so real that a little part of me was like oh this is gonna be one of those uncomfortable movies where it's like kids are getting beaten and I'm not gonna like it but then it was happening oh it sounds so weird but you know you watch it I'm just like it's like she was just selling it so I was just like I was so engaged. It was crazy. I was like, this is phenomenal for a kid. Like and, and how old would she have been? Like maybe like 13, 14, yeah, 15, maybe I'd say around like round about there. Probably playing younger than she actually is, but it's still, you know, I'm like just phenomenal. Well, let's talk Ethan Hawke as the grabber, a child kidnapper and serial murderer and yeah this i mean ethan hawk we've seen him in lots of things over the years and you know recently or the last however many years he is doing more horror like quite a few with blumhouse like he was in the first purge movie wasn't he but for the most part when he's first seen in this non-verbal and he's wearing those creepy masks each exposing different portions of his face, which was like such a good approach because we've seen the posters and he's got that like devil mask on, the white face with the horns. But then when he keeps coming back and forth, before he starts actually communicating with Finney, he's just got like a different, like it's a it's a happy mask, a sad mask. It's a portion of a mask. I really like the design of that character. Mm. No, it was an interesting sort of like, yeah, just way of showing him. But his performance, though, when he does start talking, um, and it's almost like, it's like with the different mask changes, you get a different, like a different personality comes out. Like, like it was almost like watching Split, but not quite. Um, but yeah, we do. What even yeah. We do think at times like, you know, is he does he have conflicting personalities? I mean, you later find out that he just wants to punish the boy, he wants to punish the child, and that's all it's about is waiting in the kitchen, leaving an opportunity for escape, but he's always going to give the punishment. But until that moment, you're like, Oh, could he let him go? Like, is you know, is there a split to his personality? Is there something else going on there? You know, you should say as well, the the mask. Uh, designed for this film was by Tom Savini, who, you know, he played Sex Machine in From the Dawn, but before that he did special effects for like so many horror films, like I think Dawn of the Dead that he did, the 
George Romero film. So it's really cool that they've gone to someone like him for the mask. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. The grabber himself is based on real life serial killers. So they've gone to all these different killers and then just put them all in a blender. And that's who the grabber is. We've got Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer. Ted Bundy would use a ruse to law victims to help him or to help them help him add his car. That's where we've got the vans, the balloons. John Wayne Gacy would use a belt on his victims and Jeffrey Dahmer had one victim escape from his apartment only to recapture. That's all seen by the grabber in this film. Oh, yeah. All those things happened. <laughs> That's all in this movie. I swear, that scene, though, when when Finney with the bike lock on the door. Oh, that was so that tense. I, but it I is, was like, you know, yeah. the grabber, he's, he's asleep in the kitchen. I was like, I was like, my heart is going to explode. Like, I was like, just go, man. Just get out of there. And that's the, the different oh, thing we've got man. going on here is that supernatural element. Obviously, those real-life killers, you know, I think we've talked about them enough. But, mm. you know, based in the real world and they did horrific things. But this movie does have a supernatural element. So as well as having Gwen, who has the psychic dreams, we've got Finney, who, using the black phone, is able to communicate with the dead or they're able to communicate with him. And that's, I guess, his version of her ability. But am I right in thinking that the grabber also has that ability? Because he made mention of being stuck down there when he was a little boy and the the phone line was cut. And later on in the film, like the victims do, when Finney leaves him for dead, falls, breaks his neck, the grabber then is talked to by his recent victims. But did you get that when... The grabber was a boy that he could also hear people on the other end of that phone. Did you get that? At all? I don't think, I don't think it's the, I don't think it's Finney or the grabber that has that ability. I think it's, it's the power of the ghost boys. Like it is the ghosts doing what they need to do. Um, and the power, their powers are limited by, I guess, what, what they can do. And that's why we get over time we get the reveal of what they're actually saying yeah yeah you know like there's this clues to it and like there's a bit of a loop and there's like a bit of dialogue that's sort of stuck and then eventually at the end it all pieces together to be what they communicate to the grabber right i think everything's coming from the ghost and and that's that's what I find interesting about this movie. Like if I said to you if I was like okay the premise of the movie it's a horror and there's supernatural stuff going on, you know, there's psychic abilities and ghosts. Would your mind go, okay, well, those supernatural things are going to be what's causing the horror and what's bringing the scares in the movie, right? I mean, oh, that's... yeah, yeah. That's a, that's actually not the case here. It All is of not, the supernatural yeah. stuff is the protagonists or the victims, and the horror is actually coming from very non-powered 
ground i say grounded as in like because there's no supernatural like the grabber there's no I, I don't think there's any supernatural thing to the grabber he's just a guy who wants to hurt and kill these children that's it yeah, he's just a yeah. guy who lives in a house i get a, or and two houses scary. But I guess the thing, uh, the yes. thing, yeah, the thing with me, right, okay, I need to see it again. I really do. It, it's a film that as soon as I'd watched it, I wanted to go and watch it again. But there's yeah. just there's something that is said by the grabber, and I guess I was making the leap with Finney, somehow channeling himself, because we know that his sister and his mum had supernatural abilities. So I was I thinking, okay. I didn't... So maybe at no point in the movie did I think though that, and maybe I should have, but I guess I was just thinking, ah, oh, the mum had it, you know, the daughter. All right, just the honestly the women in, in, the, in the family. Yeah, I need house. to see. I need to see it again. But there's something early on in the film when Finney's first down there. We do see that the phone cord is cut, and it's maybe I'm just reading into it, but it was maybe not even what the grabber said, but how Ethan Hawke reacts to that scenario when he's like, he mentions the phone and straight away the grabber shuts him down. And I got from that, that he has okay, yeah. heard voices, but he doesn't go down there anymore or he doesn't, I yeah, don't know. I've like, kind of got something from yeah. that. Yeah. Cause he said something along the lines of like, it used to ring, but now it doesn't. Yeah, as in like, but I mean that that would be true of a phone. <laughs> but, I know, I know. But, but, yeah, but again, something there. There's with the moments. sister, the mother, and the dead communicating with Finney, I was thinking that maybe that's what happened to the grabber as a boy, and maybe that's. But even even then, if you know, if they did, if something like that did happen to the grabber when he was a boy, um, again, that's not necessarily him with powers. That's just him being communicated by you know the ghosts or spirits or whatever was going on we've already seen yeah. with i mean it was just like speculating about something that's potentially not even in the film because you didn't get it at all <laughs> but the nah. but his his sister she doesn't just dream the dreams like she doesn't just go to sleep like she has her own little method she's got the little house she opens it up she you know tries to talk with jesus so she's she's got her method and she's got the house dreams. And I was like just thinking that, okay, so maybe this is the conduit that Finney needs. But anyway, it might not even be relevant. It's just maybe I was like watching my own movie. <laughs> but anyway, it oh, all she needs the house, he needs the phone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, he needs something to channel his his abilities. And um, so we've got the grabber, we've got the kids. We've also got cops. We've got E. Roger Mitchell as Detective Wright and Troy Riddersiel as Detective Miller. They're kind of coming in and out of it. They were suspicious initially of Gwen, as you would be, because she was like talking about things that had not been revealed in the media. But then they come to her for help because maybe she has information, whether they believe her abilities or not. So there's an interesting dynamic there. But for the most part, like the kids are doing everything. And at one point, like the dad completely sits it out. It was a really good moment when she goes to her dad and she's like, I know you don't like I can do this. And what happened to 
to his wife, to her mum, but she needs his help. Yeah. And then when he, and then the next scene is them driving at night. That generally surprised me. That's not what I thought he would do. Because that's a like it, again because it was such a good scene, and you know, and I like that. Like the, the last scene we had with him and her it was, you know, he was beating her, and then the next scene it, it's like. Dad, can I? I need to ask you a question. And, and he's like, Oh, yeah, come sit down. You know, he's drunk and all that kind of thing. But he's still like, At this point in time, she hasn't done anything to piss him off. So he's like, No, come sit down. What do you, and you know, my you know, son's missing. So, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a certain mood. And yeah, and then he kind of gets on board after that a little bit, not to the extent that, you know, we really need, but in the right direction. Um, but I think you do you do need the cops. You do need the cops there. Always, um, always. For that yeah. payoff. For that payoff at the end, you know, like the discovery of the second house and, like again, a cool little cut-together thing. They're there at the address, but that house is empty. It's the wrong house. There's more development to be had. Yeah, it was it's, smart. It's all, it was it's all cool. It was smart yeah. having, having that second, second house and the brother. The cokehead brother, and he's there. I'm trying to crack the case, you know. I, you know, and all the while, yeah, yeah. That was that was a nice little reveal. That I'm glad they. I'm glad they. I'm glad they didn't um, dwell on. I guess they could have made, you know, but who is this guy? Kind of drag out, but literally get introduced to this guy, Max, and then at the end of the scene. It pans down, so we can see. Oh my god, he's up. He's upstairs. Like, and Honestly, I'm just glad. I'm like, when, they could have made that. Like, a, yeah, they could have made that a reveal later. They on, could but have. They didn't, and it was like, okay, have. cool. They like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. But as I'm as I'm watching it, I'm like, you know, was that just like a creative transition, or are we really under the house? Oh, you know, we are. <laughs> yeah. We are. We are literally. No, we are. We are, really. we are literally under the house. That wasn't. Can <laughs> that's I, what's going on. Can I admit something to you? Yep. We've been watching this. Okay, so I watched this movie, right? And look, I enjoyed it. Walked out of it, like, finished watching the, the movie. I'd taken, taken the wife. I'm walking back to the car. And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, no, you have good, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, And I said to her, I was like, did you know, did you know that Jake Gyllenhaal was in this movie? And she was like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, the brother, wasn't that Jake Gyllenhaal? I dead set thought <laughs> it was him. Oh, I'm 100%. <laughs> It wasn't a question. It wasn't like that guy. Hell, I was like, "That's Jake Gyllenhaal." You know, like you know, sometimes when he just plays like a quirky little character and maybe a little bit of prosthetics or like he does his hair a certain way. Like he's a really good actor. I dead set thought that this guy, James Ransone, I thought it was Jake Gyllenhaal. I I, I didn't get to that the point at all. Where I yeah. I mean. Clearly, just me. <laughs> I mean, for me, my wife. I recognised him from Stephen King's It. He was the the grown up version in Chapter Two. Was it Eddie, the one that was taking all the the drugs that his mum was giving him? I think that's no, what I, I knew him was, from. He was the yeah. He was the he plays Eddie. One of them. Yeah. Sure. Okay. That was the kid that was in the pharmacy and he was picking up all his prescriptions. No. So I recognized him I looked up, from that. I looked up the actor, obviously, like whilst you know this whole revelation happened. 
And then I was like, oh yeah, I've seen that guy in things and, and, and bits and pieces. But I don't know why. The, it, literally watching the movie, I was like, yeah, it's Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think it was just you, mate. I think Crazy. it absolutely Maybe. Was Maybe. If anyone's listening, though, they want to reassure me <laughs> that I wasn't alone. Yeah, did anybody else yeah. think it was Jake Gyllenhaal? Oh, my God. Um, but anyway, look, this guy, so good. It was it was like it was like he was channeling Jake Gyllenhaal. That's how good he was. No, he was um fun little quirky character. Fun little quirky yeah. character. Not he just because he was um and he had abs- the, the cocaine, but he had absolutely lo- no idea until it was too late when he figures it out. He's like, hang on a minute, that's here. <laughs> I like when he opens the door and he's actually just so happy because he's like, I didn't like like. I worked it out. Do you want to know how I worked it out? <laughs> and then, oh, and then he's gone. And the grabber's like, you made me kill my brother. <laughs> <laughs> there Look we go. what you made me do. But I like, I like the whole, you know, like when like the, you know, like his mate, the ghost boy is like, I'm going to train you. I'm going to train you like a, like a Jedi ghost force and and that boy, he looks like, like he was straight off the set of the Warriors. <laughs> that's what he yes, that's what yes. he looked like, which was you know cool. Yeah, honestly, and do you know what that training montage? Thank you for saying that. That that's um that training montage, believe it or not, is in the bloody trailer. When he's oh, like, it's all in there. That's not it, right. <laughs> honestly, on, that guys. trailer is the worst. Oh, he's got so much, so doing? much in there. Well, let's Stop talk. Yeah, so, <laughs> let's talk the ending. So the ghosts taunt the grabber over the phone. So again, that's what I was like thinking. Oh, he's hearing them again for the first time since he was a boy. But anyway, maybe that's not a thing. Uh, Finney breaks his neck with the phone cord, killing him. Smart idea. And his his friend told him what to do, like take off the, the end of the receiver and fill it with dirt, make it harder. And then he... Yeah. It beats on him and distracts the dog with meat from the freezer, escapes the house, the whole thing with the second house, the him getting reunited with his sister, the police, they find all the bodies in the other house. And the you know, the film ends with Finney back at school where he's now treated with respect, and a confident Finney sits next to his crush in class. So we get a happy ending. So many moments when watching this, I'm thinking Finney's not going to make it. And I'm, they, they give you a happy ending. They really do. He's there with his sister reunited. And that was the right way to end this film because it could have gone the other way. And there's so many tense moments in this film. Like it really is like a tense horror. And I'm glad that yeah. they gave Finney that high school happy ever after ending it was and i think it was earned like again when when the brother and sister are reunited like the reason i felt the way i felt and i was like i'm like overwhelmed with emotion here is because i'm like the movie gave me a reason to actually give a shit about these two characters it was great and then yeah like sweet little ending where it's like back to school everyone's like yeah, I heard he, he, you know, he took him out. Like he managed to stop the grab. Like, like, wow, that kid, I thought he'd be bigger. Like, it's just like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is all too sweet. This is great. Okay, yeah. Imagine being him. Like, like awesome. Um, but, you know, like Finney's, um, they, they, they showed that he's actually a pretty smart, um, he's actually a pretty smart kid. 
um, you know, something that would give Kevin McAllister a, a run for his money. You know, like he's, you know, he's looking at ways to escape, but then he's also like, okay, if that is possible, someone would have tried that already, blah, 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 blah. Um, the movie sets up, you know, different things, you know, like with the freezer and stuff like that, that when you get to the actual end plan with, you know, all we see is that like fill the phone with dirt to make it heavier and then you're going to whack him with it. That's all we know of the plan. So when it's actually executed, I knew nothing about, you know, like we're going to use the hole in the, in the, in the little passageway to the little bathroom bit. That was going to be a part of the plot. There was going to be a, a, a tripping wire. Um, the meat was for the dog. Like all these things that have happened throughout the movie actually played a part in setting up this perfect way of taking this guy out. And just as all that was unfolding, I was like, cool. Yeah, it's so smart, <laughs> yes. isn't it? It like, is. Yeah, yeah. it's just like someone sat down and plotted this movie out and actually found a way to make it make sense and actually have things happen for a reason and not just, hey, this will be a cool scene or, or this will, you know, this will be fun or scary or this will get a jump scare. It was actually thought through. And I just appreciate that so much. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, really. so well done. Well, I was I was having a look online to see if there's any talk of a potential sequel. And what I found in June of this year, Scott Derrickson said Joe Hill had pitched him a wonderful idea for a sequel that he would do if the first film was successful. Now, this movie is out in the US already, here in Australia. It's released the 21st of July, I believe. So we've got a little way to wait here, but this movie is doing so well overseas. Great word of mouth. So we could actually see another black phone film. The Pink Phone. Starring Cameron Diaz. Anyway, no, that was a <laughs> that was a callback to a joke from a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, anyway. Okay, cool. So on that confusing <laughs> note for anybody that didn't get that reference, if you're going to rate this <laughs> film out of five? I mean, I've, I'm, I find it... I'm always weary about giving... Weary? Weary. I'm wary about giving fives out um, after some very unfortunate, you know, maybe I was a bit, a bit too enthusiastic with my fives. But I'm really struggling to find any reason to really knock this movie too much. Um, I might be silly doing it, but I, I think I might do it, give it a five. Um, it's just, it's a really great little horror film it fires on all cylinders and it, it seems to work in every way that um, it, it wants to execute. <laughs> like it just does. Um, it's smart unless yeah, I'll probably rewatch it and find some plot holes and things that don't really make any sense, but delightful little characters and actors, um, some, you know, some not so likable characters, but for those reasons end up being, you know, likable because they're so terrible. You know, the dad, the grabber. Ethan Hawke is fantastic. So creepy. So creepy. Um, 
no, I, I really like this. I really like this. And if I had paid for it, I wouldn't have been mad after. I would have been quite pleased with myself. But fortunately, got got it for free. And I, I guess I'll do my duty and tell people this is great. I mean, if you listen this far, then my God, um, hopefully you've already seen it. But yeah, this is the good word of mouth from me. Go see this. This could be the best horror film this year, if not one of the best movies, I think, this year. Again, maybe I'm getting too excited about it, but I'm on a high at the moment with it. It's it's pretty good. So yeah, five out of five. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, perfect, perfect rating. Um, yeah, I've I've got to be honest, there is... There is no reason for me also not to give this a perfect five out of five. There's nothing that didn't work for me or I'd like to change or some more of this, less of that. It's such a solid horror film. Like It is a really, really good film. Ethan Hawke as the grabber, the kids, um, the setting, everything about this film just works and i walked out of that screening i thought wow i've just watched something special here this is a great film so yes i mean i'd say if you listen this far we've spoiled it but it's nothing you can't see in the trailer to be <laughs> honest <laughs> but um yeah this movie it is great yeah and for both of us to give a horror five out of five i mean that is high price i think especially for a horror like it's just so easy to just kind of lose your way with horrors. <laughs> yeah, but this... Allow logic to go out the window. It's great. You've got, like, a great villain in The Grabber. And you're right. Like, Finney is such a smart kid. And then all the other vi- the victims that are helping him out. And this is what I tried. I got this far. Try this. Do that. It's just... Yeah, it is a smart horror and again, I'd be happy if all horror films took place in the 70s because it works really well for me. Now, as always, we'd like to close out on some trivia and it's release date trivia. Yay. The movie was <laughs> delayed from its initial January 2022 release to June 2022 due to unexpectedly great preview showings. Once Blumhouse realised just how great early reactions were, they gave it a summer release date instead. So there you go. Oh, I thought it was going to be like they wanted to ramp up the marketing a little bit. That's a Blumhouse. <laughs> they knew they got something special with this film, so strategically moved the release date. More time to watch the trailer. <laughs> that's it. Awful trailer. Let's not talking about it. Well, that's it for our review of the Black Phone. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, we recently reviewed Thor Love and Thunder. And keep an eye out for our next review. What is it? What have we got? That is a very good question. Don't have an answer for you right now. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys (laughs) from that film, Stu. See you soon. Perfect. <laughs>